deciding who wins the game on this call. Without further ado, the call on the field stands. Touchdown. After review, it has been determined that the receiver did not maintain. Quarterback's arm is going forward. That's the worst call in the history of all sports. Welcome to another bad call where the refs aren't the only ones who get it wrong. I'm your host, Justin West, and my sidekick here is a man who's never seen a ref make a call that he's agreed with, JD! (laughs) Oh, what's going on, buddy? I don't know, man. You tell me. Sad. Oh yeah. I'm just I'm I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm still excited for football, but I, I it, I'm a little depressed. So I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to fake some some chipperness tonight and see what I can do here. Yeah, the Dull Bears got defeated by those pesky Eagles. Why did we let them in the playoffs? <laughs> Yeah, that might be one of the most frustrating parts about it is that we we beat a team to let them in and then we let them win. Like oh, man. it's rough. Yeah, it's I mean, here's here's I've been trying to um, rationalize, you know, I know that that sometimes difficult as a as a fan. It's a really it's a really big word for a fantasy football podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been trying to rationalize. I mean, at, at the beginning of the 2018 football season, uh, when I went through the, uh, the schedule, I, the best I could come up with, best case scenario I could come up with was 9-7 and seven and, and maybe get lucky for a wild card. And the Bears, our Bears, exceeded all of my expectations for the season 12 and four they're a young squad so you know they they've got uh, plenty to build on and uh i'm just trying to trying to hold on to that you know they got they got some really good studs on the d i think they're going to continue to work on and improve that offense uh under matt nagy and and some development of mitchell trubisky um, I'm not going to say I'm not upset because I'm pretty dang upset about it. I, I, uh, as I pointed out on the podcast last week, the Eagles were giving up the second most receptions to running backs and they only got Tariq Cohen the ball four freaking times. Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with the usage of our running backs at all in that game. And yet... We haven't even talked about the real kisser of it all is Mitch Trubisky led a game-winning drive only to let his kicker let the team down. Ah, good God. Okay. (laughs) First of all, it was blocked. All right. It was blocked. It was barely tipped. 
And if Second it was a good all, kick, it wouldn't have even been close to that. Second of all, he led a drive against a prevent defense, which was pretty much the only thing they did the entire game. Three quarters of just offensive boringness and did nothing for three quarters. That's why we lost the game. Bad game plan, but they were in a position. They should have won the game. We shouldn't have let them go down and score in the fourth quarter either. If you are trying to let Cody Parkey off the hook, he's a professional kicker making $3.5 million a year. A 43-yard kick is a chip shot. And you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, 11 other players on the offense and defense that didn't do their job either. Well, the team lost. They got in the team lost. They got into position to win the game and the guy let him down. So, and you shouldn't have put him in that position because you can't trust him because he missed 10 field goals the rest of the year. You knew what you had. You can't put yourself in that position. It's playoff football. There's another team. So, there's no excuse. I don't know why you want to let him off the hook. Well, he's not off the hook. He should be fired. I'm just. Uh, I'm not saying. I'm all I'm saying is that you can't put the entire loss on him. That team, that Bears team, lost the game together because we had three quarters of bad offense followed by a fourth quarter of not good defense. Why don't we, well, let's, I don't want to say it was bad offense because they got into position and, and had, uh, what, one, two, three, four scoring possessions. They should have had another touchdown at the end of the first half. Let's get, let's talk about that. Another bad call. What, what was the deal with that call by the refs? They said he caught the ball, but, oh, nobody recovered it. Yeah. So what an, what an obscure ruling that you, you can rule it a catch and a fumble, but because there's no recovery, it is then ruled an incomplete pass. Ugh. Like, it, it's just such a strange, and in my mind, now part of this could be biased because it happened against the Bears, and, you know, I'm never biased about anything. Ah. <laughs> um but I don't understand from a logical standpoint how you can rule it a catch, a fumble, and then rule it back an incomplete pass. Now, I understand that based on the way the rule is written, they made the correct call. Like, you know, based, based on the way it's written. But as we all know with the way the catch rule has been written for years – but it was still wrong. Oh, so just because it's a written rule doesn't mean it's right. It's unfortunate. And yes, had that had that been ruled uh, a catch and a fumble, and the Bears get it at the five, that changes the outcome. Absolutely, but, but I mean, there were we, there were a couple, there were a couple things in that. But I mean, I don't want to spend the entire podcast talking about that. You and I will I'll talk circles, and I mean, I I'll say this: the loss wasn't on Trubisky. Like, I, I've been bashing that guy all year. I still have some serious concerns about him. But I don't blame him for the loss in any way, shape, or form. I, You know, I, I, don't, I don't blame Cody Parkey the same way. I don't blame the defense. I, it, just overall, that was a poor game by the Bears. They lost it as a team. It's just really unfortunate to watch. I, I mean, I, aside from um, Cody Parkey, 
Uh, I think Matt Nagy had the worst worst game uh, from a strategy and, and game calling uh, standpoint. And uh, I can only hope that he gets better. You know, it's his first year. He did bring the team uh, together to the playoffs. So I don't want to I don't want to be down on this team. It, they're young. There there should be several seasons here. Um, where where they can improve and, um, and and go further into the playoffs and hopefully bring us a stinking Super Bowl. Yeah, that's it. That's going to be another another point of debate that you and I should probably save for for off uh, for lack of a better term here. I have concerns that we may have missed a window here. Uh, you know, we just lost. One of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinators in the game. We had a very lucky year as far as as far as health goes. Uh, so, and we all know how difficult it is to sustain the kind of success that they sustained this year. So, and we'll see what happens. But again, I don't want to. This isn't the Chicago Bears podcast hour. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move on to more depressing news. How was your? Uh... DraftKings results last week. Um. Well, we'll put it this way: I broke pretty much even, so not terrible. Uh, but the only reason I broke even is because I played one of those uh, uh, play actions and uh, won enough in that to cover what I played in everything. <laughs> everything else. Well, uh, that, that's good. That's a good. Uh... Results. Yeah, let me let me pull up that lineup really quick, because um, <laughs> that was my only lineup that did much of anything, despite the fact that you know most of my lineups were all variations of this one. But I went Russell Wilson, Marlon Mack, Jordan Howard, DeAndre Hopkins. What a letdown that guy was. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Kiki Cootie, Zach Ertz, Allen Robinson, and then the Bears defense. So I, I was looking at it and I was like, man, if DeAndre Hopkins actually goes off for even two X's value and Jordan Hop or Jordan Howard goes for two X and the Bears don't the Bears are giving six points, like that's just that's kind of that's bad for them. But then I was thinking because of how few options there are within these slates that those little things might have actually end up hurting me and knocking me out a little bit. So I can't complain. It wasn't a bad lineup, but, um, you know, just a couple little stinkers here and there. Yeah. That's... Hopkins, Hopkins, I think burned everybody. So that one was kind of a wash. Yeah. He was pretty highly owned. I got to tell you, I don't know how many times I've been watching a game and say, if only this happens, you know, I'm going to jump way up there. And uh, especially in like a, a short slate, uh, it happens, and I somehow drop and lose money, and I'm like, I don't, I can't even figure out how that even works, but uh, it, it does sometimes. So it, it it matters how you put it together, and I, getting on Marlon Mack was a a, a a a nice little move there. I I had uh, zero interest in Mack. Uh, 
I guess it was it was game script uh, driven. You know, they 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 ran against a team that usually doesn't uh, do so poorly against the run, and and he he got a little bit of work in the passing game, but he was just the absolute stud of the week. Him and Kuti, um, and and I, as I started doing some research. On Kuti, I, I liked him as a sleeper. I did have him in a couple spots. Unfortunately, I didn't have him um, in a lot of um, spots. Uh, I I didn't do so well. I played more cash than I should have. I You know what happens when you are uh, killing time between uh, – dances for your daughter's uh, dance competition is you start start tinker tinkering and spending dumb money and i got i played a little more cash than i should have when i wasn't uh wasn't comfortable and then uh so after hopkins bombed and i had ty hilton in my cash lineup and he didn't do a whole lot i really had to um i had to make some adjustments to give myself what I thought was going to be a shot to um, to cash, and and I, I ended up getting off of Zeke Elliott, and uh, there was another spot I got off of that wasn't so good either, but Chris Carson was garbage, and uh, the pivot sometimes. You know, it, it was the right move, but it just, it it failed miserably. But sometimes you have to pivot just to even give yourself a chance because I, th- I was drawn pretty dead behind the eight ball. Oh, yeah, Jordan Thomas got me zero points in that first game. And that's the one of the unique uh, features about these uh, playoffs because it's four games, but they're not concurrent. So <laughs> you're, you got to react to what has happened from uh from previous i did have a couple tournament lineups that cashed and i didn't lose it all this week but it it certainly was uh wasn't in the black yeah it when you're playing these slates where as you said you know it's it's one game at a time and then okay maybe i gotta scramble and do some tinkering to the next one and it can get real tricky and real frustrating real fast. Um, I had, I will tell you, I had the, uh, I had Anthony Miller in some some lineups, and then when I, or sorry, yeah, I had Anthony Miller in some lineups, and then when I found out Trey Burton was inactive, I I plugged in Shaheen because I was like, oh, this will be a nice sleeper play, and it'll change it, and it, you know, it changed my lineups a little bit, and then, you know, the Bears kind of fell on their butt, and uh, it it cost me quite a bit by not having Miller in my lineup, even though Miller didn't do anything fantastic either. Yeah. So. I, I kind of, I, I did, I pivoted on a tournament with uh, Shaheen in the tight end. Unfortunately I pivoted off of Dallas Goddard and he ended up with a touchdown. So that, that cost me a little bit too. That, <laughs> that, that was actually one of my lineups that cash. So that, that probably would have made me even more money, but you know, you live and learn these, I don't try to beat myself up too much over the, these slates. Um, you try to put 
the best lineup out there, uh, you know, but there's so much. Uh, this last weekend was very defensive focused, and this coming weekend it seems like we got a little bit of offensive firepower to talk about. So, um, before we get into that, I want to tell you about this uh, opportunity to help support the show. If you want to support the show, as always, you know, you can give us uh, ratings and reviews and, and interact with us, but uh, we've come up with a, a t-shirt design as pretty, pretty cool. And, and we're selling the shirts for 25 bucks as, and we've got them uh, various uh, sizes and colors uh, that I've, I've, I've worn mine. It's it's pretty dang comfy. I think they look they look nice, and and that the proceeds from that will be used uh, solely to put back into the show, so that we can continue bringing you uh, good analysis and hopefully some uh, even sound a little bit better. So um, if you'd like to support us, go ahead and hit us up on social media or email us, and and we'll tell you. How, how you can purchase one. Yeah, man, there are some slick looking shirts from uh, the nice lady over there at made by Leslie. Oh yeah. She did. A, she did an excellent job. So let's go ahead and dig into this weekend's divisional round. It might be the best, uh, best week weekend of football of the year. Yeah, we got some great matchups and, uh, more than anything, I'm just excited to watch some of these games because uh, they're all teams that have uh, players that that we've talked a lot about this year. Um, and uh, the f- wait, wait, CJ Uzama and uh, David Njoku are playing in this game? Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Oh yes! No, fortunately not. Fortunately not. Um, yeah, maybe we should uh, not not uh, talk about those guys next year at all. We, we might put oh. them on the on the do not do not uh, talk about list. <laughs> on another note, this will be my last season as co-host of another bad call. <laughs> oh, brother! Well, the first game on this slate is the. Colts versus the Chiefs. And one of the things about this game that has some similarities to last week's slate is it is the first game on the slate and it is the highest total in Vegas. Um, So if you want to get your points, you might want to get them early. And uh, it's going off right now at 57 with the Chiefs favored by five, what do you what are you thinking about this game? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be a blast to watch, uh, and there's so there's so many directions to go in this, but you have to pick your spots because of pricing and because of the you know the limited slates uh, and some plays later on in this. Uh, I found it interesting that Frank Reich came out and and said that they weren't really interested in keeping the Chiefs offense off the field like that that wasn't something that they were worried about <laughs> which is 
which is a strange thing when you're going up against a team that can score really fast and pretty much whenever they want to type of scenario. Um, so I'll be curious to see how this game goes. Indy's defense, if you ask me, has been underrated all year. Uh, I always have concerns uh, with teams going into Kansas City because that is a loud, tough place to play. And uh, But it looks like Eric Berry's probably not going to play this one, which opens things up. So I'm going to have a hard time not playing Ebron. I don't know how you don't play Marlon Mack at this point. Uh, 5,800. And, I mean, I was looking back through his game logs. And when he has, uh, so 19 touches, 126 yards. 25 touches, 132. 27 touches, 139. 25 touches, 119. Anytime he's below that, like, 17 to 18 carries, you know, he's still... He's still going for like 80 and maybe a touchdown or something. But when you get him into that uh, 18, 19, 20 carry ranges, when he really starts to go off, um, I'm going to play Marlon Mack for the price. I'm probably going to play some Eric Ebron. Um, Interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, I'm on, uh, on the other side of the fence with both of these plays. I'm, I'm not really looking at Ebron because there's uh, there's a guy on the other side of the field that I think is the best option of the week, and at seven thousand, uh, Kelsey is just almost too too good to pass up. But if if, if you do, I think I'm looking for more value than um, what Ebron is gonna gonna do. So. Uh, and, and at the same time, uh, Marlon Mack, who has a good matchup, I fear is going to suffer from game script. Uh, as, as Kansas City puts up points, Indianapolis is going to have to open it up a little bit more. And I think that screams a, a little more or, or even a lot more usage for Naeem Hines out of the backfield. Because Mac doesn't really get too involved in that uh, passing game that much. Um, I like both. Yeah, games. he's only he's only broken three targets once this year. So I mean, you're, you're right on that. I mean that part of it. Hines is coming off a zero touch game, and so I think that might keep some ownership off him. And at thirty three hundred, he allows you to get some higher price players into your lineup. Um, the both of the quarterbacks in this game are, uh, from my standpoint, look to be pretty dang good options. Uh, obviously, everybody wants to play Pat Mahomes. Uh, he's set, you know, the record. He has the highest uh, fantasy uh, points for for a year of any quarterback ever, and. Uh, I know you said the the Colts' defense has been good, but if you really look at the teams that they played like in the second half of the season, they did not have a tough, tough go of it. Uh, and I, I don't think that they played anybody that really was a huge challenge. So uh, uh, I, I like 
I like uh, Kansas City to put up a lot of points. I like Indy to put up a lot of points too with Eric Berry being out. I think that this game, you know, I know the total is 57. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 70, you know, points in this game. Do you remember what the total was for the uh, Texans Colts game? It was like 47, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just the thing is, you know, we all went into it with this expectation of this is going to be another shootout. And it it didn't come anywhere near that. I mean, Indianapolis just dominated that game. Deshaun Watson looked terrible. I mean, that the game was just – it was about as one-sided as you were going to get. Um, right. So, so, so yeah. I, Indy, I, mean, I mean, I thought – I thought last week that Naeem Hines was going to be a great play for that reason because I thought it was going to go, okay, there's going to be a lot of back and forth. There's going to, you know, they're going to have to use some Naeem Hines. And like you said, zero touch, zero touch. So uh, this is just one of those things where if I've got a starting running back that I know is guaranteed at least at least 10 to 12 touches for 5,800, hard to pass on. That's my only Mac thing. Well, but you're in a week where there's so many studs to play, so many studs. You've got to pick your spots. And and to me, Damon Williams is a better value at 5,100. Uh, he is involved in the passing game, and he's just since he took over that starting role, has been a dominant running back in this. Uh, you know, he he doesn't need to come off the field now. Uh, from what I hear, you know, Spencer Ware is going to play, uh, but it sounds like they're expecting him to be more that complimentary um, back. You know, he wasn't getting full load even when, when they they did lose Kareem Hunt. Uh, and then once they finally gave Damian Williams a shot, he, he kind of uh, dominated that backfield. So... I, I'm going to have some Damian Williams in my lineups. Um, I'm going to have Hines. I'm going to have, I'm going to sprinkle in Mahomes and Luck into some different lineups. Uh, one, a couple of guys we haven't mentioned are uh, Tyreek Hill and T.Y. Hilton, and I I I like to throw both of these guys into some game stacks actually. Uh, they're like I said. I think it's going to be a shootout, and you're going to want some some piece of both of those guys. Tyreek Hill has got a good matchup, and uh, T.Y. Hilton has has just been solid all year with the resurgence of Andrew Luck. Yeah, it, you know, I said there, there are studs all over this. I mean, we, we've hit that point in time where obviously uh, usually it goes with your guys that are doing really well fantasy-wise, their teams are generally playing very well. It puts them in the playoffs. That's how this works. So you end up with guys that are going to score pretty good. And I think the pricing, for the for the most part, reflects that and tries to keep things nice and even. Uh, the question is going to be, as you mentioned, like, you know, this is a game to load up on get your points early. Are are you going to be doing lineups where you have Mahomes, Hill, uh, Hilton, Williams, and Naeem Hines? Like, are you are you going to spend that much on one game? Yeah, I, I and and hope the game hits. Yeah, well, I, for sure, I'm going to make a couple of lineups like that. I actually already have. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to ignore the other games, 
But if you think it's going to be the highest scoring game, uh, you're going to want to have the the pieces, you know, that are going to be integral to scoring in, in those games. So, but I mean, just to mention a couple of lower price receivers, you got Chester Rogers and Dontrell Inman for the Colts. Both of them could be uh, guys you could throw in a stack uh, to, to get some salary relief. And um, interesting enough on the Chiefs side of the ball, Sammy Watkins has still been limited in, a, in practice this week. And so we, we're not sure what his status is. If he goes, he's, he's intriguing. And if not, then, then Chris Conley becomes more, you know, because there's been four people that really get touches in that offense for the most part. Tyreek, Kelsey, Damian Williams, and then Conley, you know, he, he gets maybe like four or five targets a game. Which which could be good enough to to pay his value, and I I'll say that if Watkins doesn't go, I will have at least one lineup with Kelvin Benjamin in it. Oof, that dude looks like he's about as fast as I am out there. Okay, first of all, that's a stretch. <laughs> secondly, <laughs> secondly, uh, I just said he's talented enough of an athlete and Andy Reed is that good that with the extra time to prepare, I, I, I think he could come in to be a little sleeper play. If Watkins, if Watkins doesn't play well, but well, well, you got anybody you're avoiding in this game. I, I was going to say when you win a GPP with, um, Kelvin Benjamin in the game, I want you to take me out to dinner. <laughs> Deal, deal. Because <laughs> you might be the only one with Kelvin Benjamin. I saw that guy get – he's stone hands. He, they, they threw him the ball in the end zone last time they played, and, and, and he knocked it down all right. But, yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Anybody I'm not playing? Uh, I mean, really – I probably won't have any Ebron this week. I had him last week. I thought he he was a better option last week. This week, not loving him as much, although his touchdown equity has been about as good as anybody else this year in the entire league at any position. Um, and Marlon Mack, I probably shouldn't make the mistake of playing zero Marlon Mack, but he's not going to be one of my higher priority running backs. Because in the next game that we're going to talk about, the Cowboys and the Rams, there are two guys that that are have been studs all year long, and I think the question is going to be, which one do you choose? I, mean, I suppose you could make lineup with both of them in there, but uh, you're going to sacrifice that uh, receiver. Yeah, and you know this comes into you know where I was talking about how. Mac has value and how you were talking about uh, Damian Williams. Uh, you, you have to have shares of Elliott. You have to have shares of Gurley. Uh, but if you, like you said, if you play them both, <laughs> you know, you're, you're taking some hits every, everywhere else uh, just because I'm pricing. Cause uh, they are without a doubt the highest priced guys on the slate. 
Yeah, well, so, I mean, uh, Zeke Elliott I, is... You get, rightfully so. I mean, it's not like I'm questioning it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, so we wonder what the game script uh, of this game will be. Uh, L.A., I don't know if, if you've watched many games this year where they were at home, but they don't seem to carry much of a home crowd advantage. <laughs> In, in that stadium, the, the yeah, it's 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 weird. <laughs> the the, the tra- you know, the the game uh, is the third highest of the four at at a fifty, but uh, the Rams are favored by seven and a half uh, with a twenty eight point seven five implied total. Uh, however, I think that Dallas, no matter who they're playing and what their game script is. They just keep feeding the ball to Elliott, even when they're behind. So he he had the most touches uh, on average for the regular season of any running back at over twenty five. Um, and he, he he's your three down back. They don't they they might bring in uh, Rod Smith for you know maybe five plays in the entire game. Uh, Elliott takes all the passing down. You know he. He has been an absolute stud, and it's only gotten better since Amari Cooper has been there. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, Todd Gurley, I mean, he's been for the past two seasons the best running back in the league. Now he's been dinged up uh, the last handful of weeks, and I, I have a sense that they've – been giving him the extra rest so that they're ready to um, ready to give him that full workload again. He's at his lowest price of the season, uh, eight thousand. So it it's it's really hard not to want to get him in your lineup because he when the Rams have been good, which they have been for most of the season. They have been good through Gurley um, with some compliments from their receivers, but Gurley has been the main focus, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a running back that is uh, MVP candidate viable. Uh, Why would you not be running your offense through him? Uh, I mean, even if it's not necessarily through the run game, the the screen passes and his work out of the pass game is is fantastic. A uh, lot of goodness on this. Uh, I think it might be easier to talk about guys that you might be hesitant to play in this one. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, Gurley on dra- on fantasy labs has has the highest floor projection and ceiling. Uh, they're projecting a ceiling at a whopping 39.4, um, which you don't get a whole lot of games like that, but he's got a high projected ownership as well. Uh, guys that I'm not interested in. Wow. Um, I, <laughs> is it, is it going out of the limb to say Michael Gallup? Yeah, I I don't know. Is it? It's it's safe to say Alan Hearns won't be scoring a touchdown this week. Oh, boo. <laughs> boo. Brought to you by another bad call. 
Uh, another dick move. <laughs> wow. Okay, so um, <laughs> here's the deal. Wow. The, the Rams have been pretty good on defense since they got a keep to lead back. So I'm not really interested in Amari Cooper all that much. Uh, in in the games that he's played against uh, Akeem Talib, his his totals are just terrible. I think he's got like five games and and he played against Akeem Talib, and I don't think he's gone for more than like fifty yards. I wish I had I I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, his his stat line is uh, has been bad. Well, his stat line has been bad in general for two years because Oakland wasn't doing anything. So I don't think it's just a a keep to leave. So I don't, you know, just <laughs> big picture here. Okay. I do think that's going to be an interesting matchup just because Cooper came out and said that he knows a keep to leave and Marcus Peters inside and out because he's been playing them both badly. <laughs> well, I, again, <laughs> entirely different environment, different team. But he, you know, he's seen both of those guys numerous times because of the division he was, you know, they were all in together previously. So, sure. uh, uh, I think that will be interesting. Uh, but I do agree, you know, the, the Rams got, they've got a really nice secondary. I think they haven't played as good as some expected, you know, just based on, you know, the names and the splashes that they made. Uh, but they are still very good. And I, Really, if they're going to take away Elliott and they're going to take away Cooper and it doesn't look like Jarwin's going to end up playing this game, um, that leaves you with Michael Gallup and a hampered Cole Beasley. Yeah. So the receiving core is hard to trust here in Dallas. I'm, I'm probably fading. I think that uh, Dak Prescott, this is just a spot where uh, – He's he's gonna struggle because whenever it relies on his arm to make plays, unless he's playing the Giants in the Week Seventeen game, that doesn't matter. Uh, he's he's not been you know the best in the past. Well, and I I brought it up I think in our Week Sixteen or Week Fifteen. I don't remember which one it was uh, about his home and road splits. And, you know, we always talk about how different Big Ben is on the road. Um, you know, when that changed this year a little bit. But this is kind of, I mean, Prescott was the tail of two QBs at home and on the road. So, I yeah, I've got a really hard time trusting the receivers, partially because of the matchup, but partially because Dak Prescott on the road has not been good. Yeah. Uh, Jared Goff is a little bit interesting. I know Dallas has got a, a tougher D, but... His his home splits have been tremendous, and you know he's if he's got Gurley back, that makes all the difference in the world uh, as far as uh, his his ceiling. You know he's got I, I, unfortunately his his stats have dropped off quite a bit since Cooper Cup got injured, uh, but uh, his other receivers are um, are really good and really reasonably priced. You got uh, Robert Woods is what? He's 58, 5,900, 5,900. Brandon Cooks is 5,600. We haven't seen these guys this low in a while. 
and Josh Reynolds is viable at 4,500. Uh, probably one of the guys I'll have the most shares of, uh, besides Gurley, and um, could be Gerald Everett. Though that you really started seeing them use the tight end over the last four weeks of the season, and uh, his price at 2,700 makes him really appealing as well. He's he's a second round pick. Uh, with a lot of athleticism and talent, and and I think they they've started to unlock his potential here over the last month or so. That that's an interesting one for me because I was looking at Everett, uh, but his matchup isn't great. Uh, it actually it leans towards uh, the Dallas safety and Jeff Heath. Um, so that's, that's an interesting play for me. That might have been one that I, I I fade away from a little bit. But, yeah, I, I just caution on Prescott and the Dallas receivers. If I do play a Dallas receiver, I'm probably going to, again, uh, I won't do this in the same lineup that I may have a Kelvin Benjamin in. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think uh, Michael Gallup is a terrible one either. Like, your GPP long shot. But other than that, play Zeke, play Gurley. I'll, I'll probably play Cooks because 5,600 with his breakaway. I do question uh, how Goff is going to respond once he gets hit a couple times because I expect he's going to get hit a couple times fairly early. So, Yeah, we'll see. Again, I mean, there, there are some some great running backs in this game, and, and really if, if it goes the way – is expected and and the Rams take a, a controlling lead the, the the game might not have a a great fantasy appeal as as with both sides running the ball it's going to limit the total number of plays and possessions yeah and i may you may see more CJ Anderson in this game than expected too yeah, we'll see. I, I suppose if I, I'll believe that if 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 it's a a blowout, I'll see. We'll see C.J. Anderson, but I kind of have a hard time believing they're gonna um, put him in too much overtime early. So um, let's go ahead and move on to our Sunday matchups, and I, I'm anxious to hear your feelings about this one because a lot of the stuff I'm hearing uh, in uh, national media and other uh, analysts and stuff, I, I'm not quite on board with. So, uh, Chargers at the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you already know that I... I have picked my my two teams that I suspect will be in the Super Bowl, and part of it's just a little bit of a fanboying because I want to see this guy get there. But I have Chargers Saints in the Super Bowl, so I have Chargers winning this game. Um, I expect this to be a like a, a 27-24 type of game. I don't expect it to be. Uh, or maybe maybe a little lower. Um, I expect it to be a little bit more de- defensive than some people expect. 
Well, it, it is the uh, it is the lowest total on the slate at 47. Uh, there's been a little bit of a little bit of a reverse line move uh, coming down a half point from 47 and a half. Uh, yeah, you would tend to think that both of these teams with uh, veteran quarterbacks are going to try to control the ball a little bit. Patriots don't have quite the explosive offense that they have had over the last um, 14 decades with Tom Brady as their quarterback. Uh, but um, they they are a uh, they are a solid team with a lot of experience. They, they, they're a four point favorite right now. Now here's here's where I'm at. I, I hear you with the Chargers. They they really have they tied for the best record in the AFC this year. They've been pretty pretty uh, formidable. They stumbled a little bit at the end of the season. Uh, I I I was very impressed by what they did uh, at Baltimore last week. Uh, I kind of expected it because uh, the I didn't trust the rookie quarterback there for the Ravens. However, this Chargers team is is flying back across uh, West Coast team coming to the East for for a noon kickoff, which uh, historically has not seen good results, uh, and I have a hard time picking against Bill Belichick and that Patriots team. So personally, I don't find a ton of excitement in any of the fantasy plays in this game but from a gut feeling uh, I I think that the Patriots uh, end up winning and I'd, I'd probably say more or something along the lines of uh, like 23-17 something like that yeah, and really, both outcomes are are highly possible. Really, uh, part of, like I said, part of it is I really want to see Philip Rivers get there uh, and get the chance. Um, but this team, they're eight and one on the road, including last week. Like they're just a team that travels well and and plays really well. Yeah, it's tough going East Coast, back West Coast, and then back East Coast again. Um, but I think Anthony Lynn's got these guys going. Uh, I'll be curious to see this team may rally. I don't know if Meban's going to play or not. Some really sad news uh, about him and his family, and you know our hearts go out to him. Uh, but you know they they may rally and play just inspired football for him. You, you know you don't know. This game to me is going to come down to, uh, and there's a really great article written by uh, Cynthia Freeland on NFL.com about uh, key factors for each of these teams. And both of them came down to the running backs. Which team's running backs are really going to take over this game? Which is interesting when you're talking about a game with Tom Brady on one side and Phillip Rivers on the other, that this is going to come down to your running backs. Um, so that's actually where I'm looking at my plays from a fantasy standpoint. Um, I'm cautious with Gordon because of his price actually really like Austin Eckler in this situation. 
And on the other side, uh, Sony Michelle is the running back that I am looking at. It's it's interesting that you're you're, you're cautioning on Gordon's price. If, if we could, you know, six weeks ago we would have we would have <laughs> killed to get him at sixty two hundred. But yeah, he is right? coming into this game banged up. He's you know he, he both knees. You know both yeah knees. both knees. He last week he got the other one dinged up. And he was only really in the game, you know, in like the goal line situations. Justin Jackson saw a lot of run last week, as well as uh, Austin Eckler in that game that they they were controlling pretty well. Um, I uh, Gordon is is got a lot of talent, and if he can stay on his feet, he could very well be a. Uh, you know, a GPP winner for you. I'm probably not going to play a whole lot of him. I think that the game, it's, I don't know where, where it's come. Sony Michelle is probably who they, um, a lot of people are, are, are looking towards for the Patriots, but uh, I think this could be one of those Belichick things where, you know, he's gone away from James White for four or five weeks now, and then he comes back and and just uh, just kills you with the guy who's who's got – he's so savvy. Uh, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm sorry. I just – James White in the postseason is ridiculous. I, he's been a stud. Like, his, his numbers in the postseason are just – I, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, up until probably the last two years, maybe uh, he was one of those types of guys that didn't do a whole lot in the regular season, and then you forget about him, and then in the postseason, he's amazing. He won me quite a bit of money last year in the postseason, um, and and like I said, they've been you know kind of I don't know if they've been resting him or if if it's really been a change of philosophy, but. Uh, while he dominated touches and production for the Patriots in the first 10 weeks of the year, um, he really hasn't been used that much. Uh, but I know that Belichick does like to uh, feature him in the playoffs, so I would not be surprised for him to go off. I'm not sure I would be comfortable playing either of these guys in a cash-type lineup but definitely want some tournament shares. Um, Gronk is somebody I'm not real interested. He's just fallen so far off the map this year. It's not even funny. Um, on the other side for tight end, uh, you know, if Antonio Gates can get his butt off the line and, you know, eight yards down the field and park in the end zone, he's always a threat to, to score but uh, looks like we're finally going to see Hunter Henry, which is uh, we didn't get him last week. Wasn't quite there, but they did activate him. Um, so he's going to play on a handful of, I'd say, probably 10 to 15 plays. So I, I'm, I, I don't think he's going to have a huge game because you can't, you can't put a whole lot of workload on a guy who hasn't played football um, and, and is coming seven months off of knee surgery. But uh, be exciting to see him. And again, the receivers in this game, 
got some good options. Uh, although I I tend to not like the San Diego receivers simply because the Patriots I think are the second ranked Pro Football Focus rates them as the second best uh, secondary in the NFL behind the the Bears this year. Stephon Gilmore's had a hell of a year. And so that that would lead me to believe that you, you're you probably not going to see a whole lot of uh, out of uh, the Williams boys. And uh, Keenan Allen, always a threat. But uh, like I said, I think this is a lower scoring game. Yeah, the thing is with somebody like Keenan Allen, the – the sheer volume alone at, at a price of 6,600. Uh, and he actually has the best wide receiver cornerback matchup, according to Pro Football Focus, um, uh, going against Jason McCourty. Uh, the sheer volume alone, it, it, it wouldn't be surprising. Let's say he catches seven balls. Okay, well, that right there is met his, met his price. If he catches seven balls for 70 yards, you know, that's, that's 14. 14 points out of a guy that cost you 66. That's not a terrible play. Um, you know, out of the out of the three receivers, again, best matchup, uh, obviously the highest price, but numbers alone, I don't think it's a terrible play. Uh, I am staying away from the tight end department in this game. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, there's too no, much. No Gronk because Derwin James has been playing phenomenal. Uh it's it's hard to say don't play Gates because Philip Rivers looks for him like I, for whatever reason I think he could you know not play the game for ten years and then just be like oh yeah I have to throw the Antonio Gates um, and Hunter Henry is just hard to trust I'm excited to see him play but he's hard to trust so I think you're okay playing any of the running backs and probably like Keenan Allen and Julian Edelman just because of numbers. But I'm staying away from tight ends. Yeah, I do like Edelman. He's he's been uh, he's been the best receiver on on the Patriots for a while. And after uh, they lost Josh Gordon, uh, it only has solidified his role. If you want to take a, a dart throw on a Philip Dorsett or a Chris Hogan as a contrarian uh, cheap guy, it, you know it, it's. It's probably not, probably, probably a, a low percentage uh, to go off, but it's not the worst. Anytime you got uh, Tom Brady at quarterback, I am I am slightly intrigued at a Cordell Patterson play. I'll throw that out there to you, okay. just because of the different ways that they've used him. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him used in some fun ways during the playoffs. I could see that as well. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not hating on that that call either. I mean, at, at 3,500, you're not asking for a ton. But if he, you know, if he gets a couple carries and you know some screen passes, he's one of those guys that can take it from anywhere. Sure. So sure, and you get the the uh, double dip there since he does do some kick returns too. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move to the last game. Eagles and saints. Um, we're coming in here in the 
Coors Field of Football, as they call it, uh, in New Orleans. The uh, total is 51, uh, and the Saints are favored by a whopping eight points, though that line has moved um, down from 10, so it looks like some money's been coming in on Philly. And, uh, you know, we've got the, the reigning world champs against the, uh, you know, one of the probably top five quarterbacks of all time, uh, and Drew Brees, who's, who's itching to get back to that Super Bowl again here before he uh, decides to give it up. Yeah, the, this game, this one's tricky for me. Uh, because I want to go out and say that uh, this is going to be one of those like really fun uh, offensive games. Uh, just because uh, Philly seems to have found some of that magic that they had uh, last year. Uh, yeah, I know they put up 16 points last week, but that was against the league's best defense. Um, you know, they seem to have found some of that magic. And we know the Saints can score in bunches at home. But I don't know, man. I just I have this sinking feeling that this is going to be another low-scoring game. That being said, I don't know how you take a look at Michael Thomas at 7,900 and Alvin Kamara at 7,300 and don't play them. You know, it's the same thing we were talking about, like, with Melvin Gordon that we- – <laughs> You, you know, I say caution at that price, but five, six weeks ago, you see that price and you've got him in every single lineup. So, Michael Thomas to me is one probably my favorite uh, target as far as uh, wide receiver and on the weekend. Um, we talk about how bad Philadelphia secondary has been. Uh, Alshon, or Alan Robinson just burned him for 133 yards last week. Um, and they continue to, to be poor against, against those whiteouts. Uh, the thing as, as good as, you know, New Orleans defense has been, uh, they've, they've also been bad against receivers. So, uh, Alshon Jeffries in play, uh, Nelson Aguilar's in play. I, you know, a guy like Golden Tate probably won some people some money last week. I, he's not my favorite. I, they're not using him um, very deep or often. He's not. I think he's not even running routes on fifty percent of the um, Philadelphia plays, but. Uh, that that might have come up. I it's I didn't double check the numbers, but he's I know he's he's not out there all the time. Um, but I I think that this game is one you're gonna want some pieces of. Uh, I, I just think with the the poor secondaries that these quarterbacks are gonna rip it up. And, and with that being said, uh, Alvin Kamara, I'll, I'll go back to uh, what I, you know, the stat I brought about um, 
the Eagles giving up the second most uh, receptions to running backs on the year. I don't think that Sean Payton's going to make the mistake of not feeding uh, Kamara the ball. So it, it does look like a Kamara-Thomas game to me. Uh, they've, they've been efficient lately, uh, the Saints have. So, you know, Drew Brees hasn't had, you know, probably a big game since he broke all those records against uh, Washington on that Monday night game. But uh, I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that he, he could put up some good numbers. Um, and when everybody else is going to be focused on Mahomes and Luck, uh, might be a nice little play. Yeah, um, I'm going to do my my bad call of the week right here. And that Drew Brees lets a lot of people down this weekend. That that's that's my bad call of the week. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there right now. Drew Brees disappoints. Uh, and here's why: the offensive line for New Orleans versus the hungry defensive line of the Eagles. Um, I think are going to force him into a lot of quicker throws than what he's wanting and ready to make. So that being said, I won't have any shares of Drew Brees this weekend. So uh, next Thursday when we're talking and I'm crying about how I lost all my money because I didn't play any Drew Brees, this is why. <laughs> um, that is very interesting. But... I'm, uh... I still I mean, will have a very you, you difficult gotta, time not playing your, Thomas or Kamara. You got to pick your spots because you cannot uh, play everybody. So you got to take a stance. And and uh, I I just have I like I said the, that secondary is so bad for um, for the Eagles that I have a hard time th- seeing Drew Brees not be successful. Uh, now they tend to get some weird guys involved in, in scoring touchdowns. So if you're going to ask me to, to pick a, a secondary or a tertiary option of who's going to score, I'm going to tell you that I've guessed wrong just about every time I've played a saints <laughs> lineup this year. I think other than uh, Traquan Smith, I did get some action uh, on him and win some money when, when Drew Brees broke the passing record. But um, other than that, he's, he's, that, he's had that one game, Traquan Smith. Uh, Keith Kirkwood's been involved uh, sporadically. Um, but then, you know, you'll get a game when Austin Carr gets a touchdown. I, I actually like Ted Ginn quite a bit. This week, I'm going to have some Ted Ginn in my lineups. I think uh, they'd like to uh, feature him a little bit off and and having uh, Thomas uh, draw so much attention, uh, rightfully so, I think it'll open up some options for uh, Ted Ginn. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, the secondary is certainly the weakest part of that, that defense. Um, 
so it's it's hard to not take a look at uh, any of the Saints receivers. You know, as you mentioned, you obviously have Michael Thomas. You got Ted Ginn. You've got uh, Traquan. Uh, you, you've got Kirkwood. Uh, I'd be more inclined to to lean towards the Michael Thomas Kirkwood plays than I would with Smith and Ginn because I feel like they're predicated on Breeze having time to throw, and I'm not sure he's going to have the time to get those those deep balls. But again, that's just a a gut a gut feeling there. So I suppose the the um... And I'll have to see if I can find some stats uh, to help me uh, um, make make a decision on it. I suppose it, it depends on where Philly's going to be able to get pressure from. Uh, do you think Philly's going to be able to get pressure up the middle? Because that is where Drew Brees struggles. Uh, when you get get it up the middle, he's, he's a little bit shorter. Um, but uh, if, if you're... Trying to come at him on the edge, he's such a good quarterback, and he and he knows how to move in the pocket just ever so slightly to to get rid of that ball. Um, well, and that's that's the thing they can they can hit you with that from from both of those. I mean, you've got Michael Bennett and uh, what Chris Long on the other on the other side coming from your edges, and then uh, Fletcher Cox coming up the middle. Uh, you know, they they can get to you both ways. So it'd be interesting. I do see that uh, Pro Football Focus has um, New Orleans showing them with a bad matchup uh, as far as offensive line, defensive line. So uh, you could be onto something. I still, I don't know. Saints have been so solid all year. Ever since that uh, Week One loss to Tampa, they they've they've dominated uh, pretty much the rest of the way. So. Except for against the Cowboys with a good pass rush, and they struggled against the Panthers a little bit late in the season, but that was on the road. So, yeah, true that. True that. Um, curious. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you you pulled off of Dallas Goddard to uh, go to Adam Shaheen. Are you are you going back? You going back this week? Um, to a little DG in this game. I don't know. You know, that was kind of my my cheap play. I, I, I like, in that price range, I like uh, Gerald Everett better. Um, it, I, Goddard is an interesting... Uh, the, the Philly really does a good job of using their um, their tight ends. And, and obviously, Zach Ertz is one of the top three in the league. Uh, if not the top, he, he had so many catches this year. Uh, hard not to want to use him some this week as well. Uh, but Goddard, a little dart throw. Uh, I, I know Peter Jennings uh, mentioned this on a couple of the podcasts I heard him on this week. Might not be a bad week to uh, try a double tight end uh, stack. I know uh, when I hit my big score last year um, on a uh, – on a primetime slate, it, it came through a double tight end stack. Uh, so on these shorter slates, that definitely is one way to differentiate your lineup. Um, so uh, I'm not, I wouldn't play both of these guys together, but uh, maybe try to find a way to put Ertz and Kelsey in the same lineup. That that could be 
interesting. And it is doable if you go a little cheaper in the running back department. I have not spent any time playing with lineup construction at all in the last uh, 40 minutes that we've been talking. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've got three lineups made so far and two of them are Mahomes, and one of them is luck. Um, but I, I got a couple of, couple of different things before we wrap things up. I do want to just, uh, I don't I don't want to say that I want to caution you against cash. If you can, um, find what you think is the most optimal lineup. Actually, there's a lot of action on these, uh, playoff slates. So, you know, it, it, it could be profitable. I didn't have a, uh, a good week of process last week, should I say. I, I was busy on Saturday, and with the main slate starting on Saturday, I didn't get to sit down and really dig in. So um, I probably doomed myself a little bit. The um, way to... Uh, I, to mitigate that is to make sure that uh, if, if, if you don't have the time to do it, don't spend the money. But uh, this, <laughs> this week, this week I do have the time. So um, I will be uh, sitting down Saturday morning and, and going through the news and notes and trying to put together. I'm not going to play my normal uh, volume and, um, of cash that I would in the regular season, just because I think with shorter slate and there's too much uh overlap and uh variance that could that could come into play but uh, i have been searching out some ideal tournaments on DraftKings, and there's two of them that i really like i like the three max uh five dollar nickel um that one's that one's a nice little tournament and then the slant is always uh intriguing for nine bucks uh if you min cash you double your money which is better than a lot of the tournaments where you typically only get one and a half times so um look for those tournaments and and i'll be looking to try to win in our our league just so i can get back above even for the year all right and before we get too much deeper i'm gonna put you on the spot here if you had to pick one player across the entire slate that you feel you have to have in your lineups to win a tournament, who is it? If I'm picking one player on this slate, it's Michael Thomas. Ooh. That's fun. I want that hammer, and I want him in my flex spot if, if possible so that um, if things are really going crappy, I can pivot off of him to somebody else. Uh, either, <laughs> either, well, the thing is, no, it's, if, it's a smart. It, it's, if you think it, he's going to be the highest owned player in the game, um, and and you're going to have to come from behind, then you're going to want to get off of him to either uh, Ertz or Kamara. And if you have him in the flex spot, you can pivot to whatever uh, position that. It, you know, I'm actually really glad you, you you brought that up because it's a 
it's a really smart strategy to keep in mind that uh, your flex spot players, if you can do it, you want to make sure it's somebody in that last game that you can swap out if you need to. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I think we've rambled on. I know we wanted to keep it short, and we haven't. But uh, it's it's we're kind of excited. It's, it's the best uh, weekend of football of the year, and uh, we're running out of weeks to talk about football for for this season. So. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap things up. And JD, where can people get in touch with you? Hit me up at those usual spots at JD West 22 on Twitter and Instagram. Love to get some, uh, user interaction. Give me something to do during the week. (laughs) Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Justin M West on Instagram, JMW 1977. You can reach us through the show, uh, accounts another bad call um on twitter facebook and instagram email us another bad call at gmail.com and check out my blogs on another bad um hit us up get a t-shirt and and support the show and be the coolest guy in the neighborhood uh for jd i'm justin keep on listening so we can help you avoid making another bad call <laughs>